Good morning, everyone. My name is Janet Hatfield-Legrow, another one of the pastors here. And um, as we prepare to listen to scripture this morning, I invite you to join me in prayer. Holy and loving God, open our ears to hear what you have to say to us this day. Open our hearts to your presence and the presence of one another. And grant us the strength and courage to follow your way of love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, the scripture lesson comes from the book of Exodus, the 17th chapter, beginning at the first verse. From the wilderness of Sin, the wilderness of Sinai, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? May the Lord bless us in the reading and understanding of this holy word. As many of you know, this Lent, we have been exploring different aspects of discipleship. By this we mean, what are some of the ways that we can walk in love, in faith, in many different settings and situations? What does it mean to follow the way of Jesus right now? And the topic for this week is trust, which is a great topic. But the setting the scripture gives us is the wilderness. Not an easy combination, but certainly an easy one for us to understand right now. The wilderness, in biblical terms, is any place of uncertainty, of testing. It's a place of trial and confrontation, struggle, often some conflict, and usually more than a little chaos. I'm guessing you and those you love have had more than your share of uncertainty and chaos in the past week. What I hope we can do this morning is look closely at this story of Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness and see if we can find some direction for our own lives and our present situation dealing with a serious crisis in our city and in our country, 
and in the world. The aspect of trust that I would really like to focus on this morning is probably one of the most intimate questions. Can I trust someone's intention? Are you for me or secretly against me? Are you considering my well-being or just your own? This isn't a question we often say out loud, but it is something we all carry in us. And it's really the deepest aspect of trust. Does your care for me direct your actions, or is it something else? And this is a question that springs to the surface as we figure out how to live together right now, navigating a serious virus and many community needs all at the same time. Do we have each other's backs? or only our own? This happens to be the great question of today's scripture passage. In Exodus chapter 17, the question comes up three times. Can I trust you? The biggie, of course, comes right at the end when the people ask, is the Lord among us or not? There's a very traditional interpretation of this passage that doesn't really seem to help us much at all. Exodus 17 is considered one of the best examples of complaining, quarreling, kvetching, blaming, and scapegoating in the Bible. Over and over again, people interpret this story as one where community breaks down. I'd like for us to look at this story again and perhaps offer another interpretation. I discovered something this past week while looking um, at the text, and I really wanted to see what some of the rabbinical interpretations were. And as I studied them, it completely transformed my understanding of the story, and I'd like to share it with you because I think it speaks directly to where we are right now and what it means to trust God and one another, and how we might live through these difficult days ahead as disciples. Let's look at the story. Moses and the whole congregation of Israel are at about day 45 in what's going to be a 40-year journey on the way to the Promised Land. They were thrilled to have escaped slavery and oppression from the Egyptians, They passed through the Red Sea, only to find that freedom wasn't all it was cracked up to be. They were moving all together, the text says, and that meant they were probably moving slowly. They were moving at the pace of the slowest members, most likely the oldest members and the youngest. They had already experienced great hunger They had experienced contaminated water, and now their relatively new leader, Moses, has brought them to a campsite that has no water at all. They have good reason to be scared. No water in the desert of Sinai for humans and for animals is a matter of life and death. The translation I read earlier, and that we most often read, says it this way. 
The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? The people were complainers and quarrelers, selfish and demanding. They'd forgotten just how many times God had provided for them in the past. They didn't trust God and they clearly didn't trust Moses. At this point, Moses cries out to God, what shall I do with these people? They're driving me crazy. I'm pulling my hair out. What can I do with these people? They're out to get me. Moses is fed up, annoyed, and sick and tired of this stiff-necked people. So there you have it. It's not a pretty scene. Wilderness, struggle, testing. That leads to complaining, quarreling, blaming, distrust, maybe even rebellion. Now let me show you how changing just a few words in this story can make a world of difference. As I mentioned, as I was studying the text, I wanted to know what the rabbis thought. How did they interpret this text? How did they make sense of this mess? And to my surprise, what I found were a few different translations of the Hebrew that led to a totally different interpretation of the story. The first word that I'd like to highlight and have us look at is the word quarrel. The Hebrew word is rib, which can mean quarrel, but in a more basic sense, it means to plead, to plead one's case as if in court. What happens when we swap pleading for quarreling? The people pleaded with Moses, give us water to drink. Have you brought us out of Egypt to kill us? Please, Moses, we need water. How does it shift your understanding when you think of thirsty people pleading for water versus thirsty people quarreling and blaming? These are people in need of help, people who are scared and tired and especially concerned for the weakest among them, their children and elderly and animals. Moses, help us. Is the Lord among us or not? How do you feel about them now? The second word that some rabbinic scholars translated differently is the big one for me. Our translation reads, Moses cries out to God, what shall I do with this people? But many rabbinic texts translate it differently. In text after text, I read this. Moses cries out to God, what shall I do for this people? What shall I do for this people? Oh God, my God, what can I do for these people? What happened to the blaming, the frustration, the bickering, the quarreling? We change one preposition and the whole world shifts from frustration to compassion, from annoyance to deep concern, 
from alienation to community. What shall I do for these people? And it's to this honest question of a scared leader that God responds. Let's give them some water. Moses, they need to know that you're their leader. So here's what you do. You walk through and in front of the people so they will see your leadership. Take some elders with you. I will go ahead of you and stand on the rock so you'll know which one is the right one to strike. Strike it with your rod, the one you use to part the sea, and water will spring forth for the people to drink. Here in the wilderness, uncertainty and fear, and real physical danger, the people are scared. They don't know about Moses. Are his intentions good? They plead for help. Moses is scared and doesn't know what to do and pleads for help and advice from God. God hears the cries of the people and of Moses and provides for the well-being of all. Now there's a story of faith and compassion and community and deep trust. The water part is surely a miracle, but what about the restoration of community? What God really does here is reestablishes trust between Moses and the people. They have a long, long way to go. They have many more trials ahead. They need to stick together. Washington Post opinion writer Michelle Norris, who happened to have visited recently in Richmond, said more beautifully than I could imagine this past week what it means to trust one another as a community. This is what she writes. As we wait for more and better tests to determine just how many people have contracted the novel coronavirus, Understand this, all of us are already being tested. We are all now in a crucible that will have profound consequences on how we work and how we act as citizens and neighbors. We will be measured by our ability to handle adversity and uncertainty, on our ability to put the interests of the group ahead of any individual. It sounds easy, but it won't be. As a nation, we have not been asked to sacrifice in a very long time. This will test our patience and our mettle. Our fidelity to our neighbors will also be tested. Will we share supplies if the family next door runs out? Will we even answer the door? Our commitment to the larger society will be measured, too. Each of us will have to take small steps to ensure the greater good. Small steps to ensure the greater good. What a good description of discipleship. We have a long, long way to go 
in our own wilderness journey. And we need to stick together. We will need to go at the pace of our slowest and neediest neighbors. Perhaps Moses' question needs to be ours in the coming days and weeks. Oh God, my God, what shall I do for these people? This was always the question of Jesus. How can we help? What can we do for those who are the most scared and the most desperate? Can we listen for pleading and not dismiss it as complaining and quarreling? Can we trust that God hears the pleading of our hearts? Can we trust one another and that each of our intentions are for good? Can we travel all together as the Israelites did, even if it means going in a much slower way? Would you pray with me? Loving God, as you have done so often in the past, hear the cries of your people, support and strengthen your leaders, and restore us as a community that we may live in both trust and compassion. Amen.